We're Jill and Jenna, sisters who believe that gut health is the baseline required to live your best life. But health is way more than that. So we've made it our mission to take a deep dive into gut health, mental health, fitness, nutrition, and more. Interviewing experts, having real conversations, all while making sure all of the information is digestible. Welcome Welcome to to our our gut talk. And I'm off. You're off? On my European adventures. Hasta la vista. Hasta la vista. But before I go on my European adventures, we have to really quick tell you about our guest. I honestly want to say that it's top three best conversations we've had on the podcast thus far. And I would say probably the most shocking episode just because... I didn't expect to go where we went during this episode. We covered so many areas and bases. And a lot of times we bring on people with very holistic approaches. And I think what was so different about Zach, who we have on today, is he comes from a science-backed mentality, which is just something we don't have on the podcast that often. And what I loved about this episode was how much it makes you challenge your line of thinking. Yeah, so we have Zach Abbott on, and he is the CEO and co-founder of Zbiotics. And Jill and I have been working with Zbiotics for a little while now. After we found them, based off a recommendation from a friend, basically what it is is it's a vial, or Jill likes to call it a tincture, of a probiotic that helps you digest the toxic byproduct that alcohol produces in your gut, and it makes it for a better next morning. Zach is a PhD in microbiology and immunology. And as Jill said, his intelligence is next level, especially when it comes to the gut microbiome. And what I'll say too is for my non-science lovers out there, it's not too much. He describes it and explains everything in a way that's very digestible. I didn't feel overwhelmed in the episode. But one thing I will say is that he requires you to really think about the way that like you approach health. Mm -hmm. And I love that because it's the only way we individually and as a society gets better is if we continue to challenge what we believe. And it was a really awesome gut check, no pun intended, for me yesterday. And I think it might do the same for you. Yeah. So we went into probiotics. We went into should you be eating organic? We went into how you can support your gut and your gut microbiome, what the gut microbiome even is, because it's incredibly important and all of us need to know about it. And I don't want to spoil any more. So I think we should just get right on into it. Yeah. I'm looking forward to this episode and hearing how you guys like it. One thing that I do want to know is if you have questions for Zach or any of our guests, always DM us on Instagram or shoot us an email because we love to have guests back on. And so if there are questions you have or things you don't understand, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. And with that being said, please welcome Zach Abbott on Gut Talk. And real quick, before we get started, we have Zach Abbott, who is the CEO and co-founder, as we mentioned, of Zbiotics. And so this episode is going to be sponsored by Zbiotics. It is one of Jill and my favorite pre-alcohol consuming rituals. Just take a little tincture of it. And I'm telling you right now, it makes us feel so much better the next morning in order for us to do the things that we want to do in our next day. So if you want to use or try out Zbiotics, you can go to zbiotics.com and use the code GTG for 15% off. That's zbiotics.com. And use the code GTG for 15% off. We'll talk way more about Zbiotics in this episode. 
I'd love to know, Zach, just to kind of kick it off is mm-hmm. how did you get started in this world? Like where did your initial interest in the microbiome space even start? Yeah, I mean, I've been a fan of science, I think, my whole life. Like as a kid, I dressed up like as a mad scientist for Halloween and stuff. Like I've always Love kind it. of, yeah. And then, you know, I did study, I did study um, immunology in college. Um, and then uh, after college, I spent some time. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I certainly didn't know I was going to start this company, let alone like do science for a career or anything. I was sort of, wasn't really sure what that was going to look like. But then I, uh, various stuff. I worked at a bar, I worked in construction, knew I was interested in science. So I got a job at a chemistry lab and then I worked at a HIV lab. Um, or a lab at UC Davis studying HIV. Um, and, you know, at that point, I really knew that, like, this was my passion, um, and particularly, like, I was interested in, in microbes. And so, you know, the entry into the microbiome kind of wasn't there just yet, but I, I went back and I decided I want to get a PhD. So I, I got a PhD in microbiology and immunology, which I was largely at that point focused on, like, disease. So, like, when I think about mm-hmm. microbes and microbiology, like, there's kind of originally it was just like what are the things that make us sick right like so HIV is like a virus that makes you sick obviously and um, and then but then you know we think about like different bacteria that make us sick but then when I was doing my PhD in microbiology I learned like kind of the other side of the story which is that actually the vast majority of microbes in the world and, and bacteria in the world are are usually innocuous um, and then and and then often can be beneficial that really piqued my interest and so. During my PhD, I was studying um, a bacteria, uh, studying essentially how bacteria regulate their genomes and how they kind of fit into the world and turn things on and off based on different kind of environments. And I, I thought that was just really, really interesting. And then, you know, I was learning more about the microbiome. And so, you know, kind of like all these, this community of good microbes that are living in your gut. Um, and I thought that that was super exciting and mind blowing all the things that they were doing for us. Um, you know, it kind of changed my perception of like, what it is to be human. Like there are as many bacteria living in our gut and as many bacterial cells in our gut as there are cells in our human body. And like a lot of the things that we think of as like human processes, like the decisions we make, the way we feel after we eat, um, the emotions we feel and like the way we recover from sleep and exercise, all these things are intimately kind of tied to the microbes as much as they are our human cells. And so like, we're almost like this like walking ecosystem or like pond as much as we are just like one human being. And so that to me was really exciting. And that's kind of where I think the seed of what um, would become Zebiotics was sort of like born out of that interest to some extent. Out of curiosity, when you're getting your PhD and you're learning about all of these different like microbes and like genes, like are you like looking at rats? Are you doing human studies? Like you say you're watching things turn off and on and seeing how like yeah. sleep and food affect people. Uh, coming from someone who would literally rather run a marathon tomorrow with no prep than sit in a science class. Like <laughs> I don't even know what that looks like. So can you just give us some examples of how you guys were studying this stuff? Yeah. I mean, so for me personally, I was grateful that I was able to study the bacteria themselves, as opposed to like in an animal. And so we basically, you can grow the bacteria up in, 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 in media, like, uh, you know, just broth with nutrients. And then you can basically observe how they behave. And then you can, we can go in and we can use genetic engineering to like turn on or off different genes and then see how their behavior changes. And it is really fun to, to kind of untangle these sort of like complex, these bacteria are incredibly old, right? So bacteria have been evolving over the last 3 billion years. And like, that's like 
an incredibly long period of time to even like wrap your head around, right? Is like how long bacteria perfected being a single cell that's super successful, right? Like they're everywhere. They live on every single corner of the planet and they're able to be super successful because they've had such a long time to figure out how to, how to survive in the world. And so that requires a lot of complicated kind of machinery. If you think about it as like, as their, of their DNA, of their chromosome is like, as like computer code, it's like, these really complex codes that are all intertwined and you turn one thing off and it changes seven other things and they're all like interconnected. And so then they get these really elegant responses, right? Like if you're sort of like, if you give them one different chemical, they're going to like do this whole different kind of, um, you know, whole different sorts of behaviors. And so learning kind of how they turn those things on and off. I mean, while it's, you know, in some ways very esoteric, it also can be incredibly useful uh, as an applied science like so the things i learned there were you know directly applied to when they started building products is getting bacteria to turn on certain genes and traits that would help people um you know so when we think about the microbiome and the community of microbes they do all these things for us but like what if we had some control over the things that they were doing for us and it's like that was sort of how i started uniting the expertise i was getting and sort of like studying bacteria and how they turn things on and off to being something that we could apply to human health in some way no that's awesome and you mentioned the microbiome, you mentioned bacteria. Let's talk a little bit more about the microbiome. What is it, what it does, what its role is in the human body. I think when people think of digestion, they use the word yeah. stomach or belly, right? right. Like no yeah. one who doesn't have that science background understands what the microbiome is and what it does. So if you can explain yeah. that to us. And if you can okay. explain it to me, right. like you're teaching uh, a sixth grade science class. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so like, I mean, I think that it fundamentally, right. Like, as I say, it's like, you know, your body is made up of human cells, right. And then you have this like tube within your body, right. Which is like where food goes in and like it gets digested. And so like inside that tube, um, you have all of these bacteria, which are these, these other types of cells, right. And like, so these bacterial cells are all in there and, and they form this really complex community. All of your human cells are essentially the same, right? Like they all have the same DNA. Then you have all these bacteria that all have different DNA. They're like this big complex. So think of it as like a city or a country, right? Like with all different kinds of people in it and they're all doing different functions and they all have different jobs. And basically like the output of one bacteria, so like the food that one bacteria eats and then it, it kind of, it, you know, excretes out like waste that another bacteria will like actually use as its input. And so there's all this like complex network of inputs and outputs, which is really cool because like based on what you put into that system, right? So like the food you eat can drastically change like how that community kind of functions and the signals that it gives back to you. So, so things that your microbiome does that these bacteria do, they help you absorb the nutrients from your food better. So a lot of like our vitamins that we, that we eat, they're actually not useful in the, in the form that we eat them in. And then the bacteria will change that molecule into something that is useful to us and then we'll absorb that molecule. And so the bacterial benefit because of whatever reaction that it did that helped it. And then it's that output is something is a vitamin or something very essential for us. Um, so there's sort of like the symbiosis, right? Like these bacteria are benefiting because we're, we're providing a food source and we're protecting them in the environment. And, and so they're happy in our gut. Um, and then they give us all these benefits. They help us digest our food better. They protect us from toxins. They absorb a lot of the toxins that would otherwise damage us. They educate our immune system. So like the bacteria in your gut interact with you know your immune system and they and they basically 
help you suppress inflammation and, and make sure that like your body's not overreacting to things that aren't actually dangerous. So like a lot of like the things we deal with, like autoimmune diseases and inflammatory diseases that people have to deal with, the bacteria in your gut are really there to help you not have that happen. So that's usually when a system gets out of whack that, that you deal with some of those problems. It's really incredible. And I think some of the coolest stories about why the microbiome is so important are like in some of the animal studies that have been done. So I think one of my favorite stories is they were able to make mice that have no bacteria, no microbiome, no bacteria in their gut, and they're called germ-free. They're completely sterile. What's really interesting is that, uh, so you can take two mice that are genetically identical, so identical twins, and one of the mice has a microbiome and the other one has no microbiome. So their, their mouse cells are all identical, they're the same, same brain cells, same everything. And the only difference is that one of these mice has a microbiome. And just because it has bacteria living in its gut, it's able to, it's smarter. So it's able to solve mazes faster. Um, it's able to like gain weight more easily, be more healthy. It has a better immune system. The, my, the mouse with no microbiome has no immune system. And what's really cool is that then if you transfer the microbiome from one mouse to one of these germ-free mice, you can see like really interesting changes that happen just because of the bacteria. So for instance, if you're to take an obese mouse, a fat mouse, and you take its microbiome and you put it into a germ-free mouse, that mouse will start eating more food and then it will become obese. And so nothing changed about the bacteria, about the mouse, right? Like only the bacteria that were living in the mouse changed. And so like you think about like when you make decisions about what foods you eat, your microbiome is influencing those decisions. Like you think you are in control, like with your brain, right? But um, the bacteria in your gut are also kind of pulling the strings and they're telling you what to eat. And they do that in part, which this is another really kind of like mind-blowing thing for me in learning about the microbiome. The chemicals that our brain uses to like, the, our brain cells use to talk to each other, so neurotransmitters, right? Like um, one brain cell passes on a signal to the next, and, and so that's basically what creates thoughts. Those chemicals, those neurotransmitters, were actually first used by bacteria, and our cells took them from bacteria a long time ago in evolutionary history. And so the bacteria still retain the ability to make those neurotransmitters. And so the neurotransmitters that make you feel happy, like dopamine and serotonin, Bacteria can make in your gut and send directly to your brain. So when you eat something that they, that the bacteria like, they like say like, good boy, like eat more of that. That was good. Mm -hmm. like, they can like influence the way. You, so when you go in, you know, you should order a salad, but you know, you'll get that dopamine hit from the burger. That's because the bacteria have essentially trained you that you like burgers because they want nutrient in the burger, even though it's not necessarily good for you. That's where like, you know, this really interesting interplay happens between the microbiome and the human body. And obviously it can go in both directions, right? You can build a microbiome that, that rewards you for good food too, and that, that's healthy for, for you and for them. And so that's obviously what we want for human health, right? It's a microbiome that supports healthy habits, helps us absorb nutrients better, protects us from toxins and, and all those sorts of things. But it's really interesting how much the microbiome affects the way we live. We can cut this out if this just like is not accurate, but I swear... Yeah. That when I'm eating poorly, like I'm, if I'm consuming like a ton of added sugar and like a lot of fried food, I like crave it. And then if I stop eating it for maybe a week or two, it's so hard to not eat it. But once I pass that hump, then I like yep. don't need it and don't want it. Is that because our gut bacteria is like telling me that it wants it, it wants it, and then I like deprive it of it. And then it's like, oh wait, I don't want it anymore. I mean, basically, yeah. Like that, wow. that's... I mean, there are a few things, right? There's habit formation stuff that happens psychologically, but then in addition, it's exactly right that like your microbiome is constantly changing. So you you know your microbiome today, that so like basically the what types of bacteria and what ratios they are in your gut today will be totally different than it is 
you know, three months from now. Um, and if you shift your diet or something like that, you'll change it more drastically. And so exactly if you're eating like a high sugar diet, you're going to have a microbiome that is basically feeding off of that high sugar diet and then, and then sending this positive feedback loop to you to tell you to eat more sugar. And so then exactly for a while, if you stop eating that sugar, you're going to crave it in part because the, like your microbiome is going to tell you that you want that. But then let's say if you force yourself to eat broccoli for a while and you know vegetables, that's going to cause a shift in the microbiome. The sugar craving bacteria are going to start to go down and the, the ones that can feed off the fiber you're feeding it from the um, plants are going to start to bloom up. And so then you're going to start to get positive feedback loops and signals from them. So eating a healthy diet is the greatest way to kind of like reinforce eating a healthy diet. And your experience is exactly my experience as well. You know, huh. Interesting. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I think some people might find relief in that, right? Like, oh my God, I'm not actually crazy and I'm not someone who has no self-control. Like it's my microbiome making some of these decisions. <laughs> like all a lot of strings for you. Like there's right. a super highway connecting your gut and your brain. Um, mm-hmm. and like through that super highway is like this biochemical conversation that's happening between your gut, which is like really important for our survival, right? Like where the food goes in, all the fuel um, and your bacteria are having a huge influence on like what kind of that relationship is between you and your food. Uh, among many other things, that's like the most, I think one of the coolest like stories that we can apply in our daily lives, but bacteria do like apply that same concept to like the way our, the way we we deal with like sleep and like exercise and like all sorts of things. Like all these things shift the microbiome, your stress levels, all these things are like, you know, very microbiome related as well. Um, obviously the story is more complicated than that, but it's, it's definitely a huge facet of it, which is really, really, really interesting, I think. So, okay. It's really interesting because I know also, obviously our microbiome has been around for a very long time, but as you were saying, and as we know, it's not necessarily been talked about for that long, right? It's weird because it's so important. And I think it's starting to become more of this thing that so many more people talk about, you see it on social media, you hear the words probiotics, right? Help us understand in our community, understand how can we build this robust, strong gut microbiome to heal and support our immunity, our immune system, our mental health, our health in general, as well as our digestion. Yeah, totally. I mean, I think that there's still, to your point, you know, we're still at a lot to learn in terms Mm -hmm. of what what the microbiome is doing and how we can have an effect on that. I think we've just begun in the last 15 to 20 years, just begun to really start appreciating how important this is. Like to your point, I mean, we didn't even know that we had a microbiome until I don't know exactly, but like, you know, within the last hundred years. Um, and then appreciating the importance of that microbiome is been very recent, um, right? Like I think we just kind of thought that they hung out in there. And then we started to realize like, as essentially modern biotechnology got better and we, and we have better tools to kind of like understand how the bacteria were engaging with our body, then we were able to see, oh my gosh, they're like, this is very important to the point where we consider it essentially a whole organ of the like organ system of the body, like much like the liver or the heart or something. It's like, it plays this very central role in our human health. And what's crazy about it though, is that unlike somebody's liver, which everybody's liver is you know, roughly speaking the same, everybody's microbiome is totally different. And that microbiome is constantly changing. It's an ever changing sort of like community of microbes. And so as we have like global changes in our environment, like the food we eat is different. Like the air we breathe is different. Our stress levels are different. Like the dirt we engage with is totally different. All those things have like uniform like impacts on changing the way our microbiomes look. So trying to discover what makes you have like a healthy microbiome is it's still, it's still hard to kind of put our finger on that, right? But I think there are things 
we do know. And one of the things that we know is really important is having a very diverse microbiome is important. So if you have too much of just kind of one bug or, you know, one bacteria or one species or whatever, that's a bad thing. And so ultimately you want a lot of different um, species of bacteria in your gut and you want those species to be like relatively evenly distributed. So, so that's like called richness and diversity. And so if you're able to kind of have that, that's a good thing. And so how do you create that, that micro, microbial diversity? The number one best thing, the, the key takeaway here on a, in a microbiome talk is diverse fruits and vegetables. Basically bacteria, good bacteria eat fiber. Um, and fiber is sort of, you know, the complex carbohydrates that come from, from fruits and vegetables, plants and, and mushrooms and beans and things like that, right? Mm -hmm. and so the larger variety of, of different kinds of, so different bacteria, eat, like, so we often think of fiber as just like a thing, but mm -hmm. fiber is like a class of molecules. And so like there, there are many, many different types of fiber, hundreds of different types of, probably infinite numbers of types of fiber. And, and different bacteria will eat different types of fiber. Um, and so the more different types of fiber you put in, the more you're going to be feeding different types of bacteria. So no one kind of like, if you're always eating the same thing every day, then you're going to have like a very rigid and like, you know, maybe not very diverse microbiome. You're going to have very few, you know, one food source feeds one type of bacteria, right? So right. like lots of different kinds, that's like the single best thing you can do to feed a healthy oh. microbiome. So I think that's like number one takeaway. You know? Right. I have to interject because I'm, I'm smiling right now because I started this, like I need to eat more fiber series. Cause Jill and I both came to this realization that we're gut health girlies, but we have not been eating enough fiber, honestly. Well, yeah. I would say speak for yourself because I definitely okay, you just started and, and it's not that we're eating junk food. We were just really right. going heavy on like protein, meat, yeah, yeah, right. carbs, but like some with fiber, but just simply not enough, lots of fats. And I was like, okay, I need to change this around and fiber. So I'm going to add to my series supports the gut microbiome. And I'm going to include your words in it. I also too, I was joking with Jenna earlier because we got our DNA and blood tested from Wild Health. I don't yeah. know if you've heard of them, but I got my results back today. Jenna's already did. And my results are pretty darn strong, I gotta yeah, say. Are. But what I do think really helped is Jenna eats a lot of the same things over and over again, where at the very end of April, I was like, I'm eating out too much and I just need to like learn to love to cook. And so I did this thing where in May, I only cooked. I did not eat. I think I ate out once of all my meals in May. And then all of a sudden, I was eating all of these different vegetables, all these different foods, like different fishes, different red meats, like lean meats, like turkey, chicken, like everything. And so I really have noticed such a difference in my overall health in the past two months or so, but it's because I'm making a schedule at the beginning of the week and I'm eating different meals pretty much every, why are you laughing? <laughs> every like day, day and a half. Uh -huh. And I really do believe that it contributed to my strong Fiber. blood, my blood results. And yeah, I do think I, I track my um, food and go macros just because I'm the person that will like accidentally eat 3,000 calories in a day just if right. I'm not paying attention. <laughs> so I'm not like super strict. It's more of just like mindful eating. And I said to Jenna, I was like, I had 42 grams of fiber yesterday. And she's like, no, you didn't. And I was like, yeah, look. And she's like, oh, my God. So yeah. that's all to say that we're we're working on our we're, fiber game. Yeah. We are. We are. Yeah, we are fiber aware these days. OK, that's so good. fiber. And, yeah, keep going. Yeah. And, I, and I'll say that like, yeah, that that and it's important. It's not just the quantity fiber is important, but right, like like getting it from different sources. Right. Like so if you, for instance, like the keto diet 
while it may have like many benefits, I'd say that like it is not very microbiome friendly, right? Like, right. Uh, you know, sure. protein and fat is like, you know, not giving you a lot of opportunities for fiber. Mm-hmm. And so then oftentimes what happens is you'll get like these like keto bars and they'll have like a bunch of fiber in them, but that's all just like processed inulin fiber, just like one type of fiber. Yeah. It's not really like, so yeah, you can get 40 grams of inulin and like, you're not like, I mean, it's better than getting no grams of fiber of any variety, but like you're not doing yourself the favor that like for your microbiome that you really should be. So like different types of fiber is really the crucial thing. You know, you get that from like say grains, a whole grain specifically, um, fruits, vegetables, like beans, you know, any, any else that falls in sort of those right. sort of category, mushrooms. You kind of nailed stuff, it so. with the categories. Yeah. 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 So that's, you know, if you eat, if it comes from a plant, it's probably got fiber in it. Right. You know, so yeah. Fiber and what else? Because let's talk about probiotics. They're all the rage. Jill and I take them. We specifically take a spore-based probiotic. If you can go a little bit on what you've seen about how probiotics help or not so help, whatever your opinion is on the microbiome. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So my takeaway, my hot take on probiotics as a PhD microbiologist is that like, I don't think that the hypothesis for them generally is very good. Um, so basically you have this, con- like, you know, you have a thousand different species of bacteria in your gut um, and they live in this very complex like network or community. So if you imagine like the example I often give is like a house party, right? Like the idea that like um, one probiotic bacteria, or even like a handful, like some of them have consortia of like 10 different bacterial strains, like that they could be uniformly beneficial given the fact that your microbiome and my microbiome are so different is not a very good hypothesis, right? Like, um, for instance, like if I'm the, if, if like, if a person is like the life of the party, when they walk into like a frat party, right? Like that same person walks into a different community, like a a hipster party, they're probably not going to be the life of the party there, right? If this bacteria is good for one microbiome, it may very well not be very good for the other. And, and indeed, like most of the bacteria that that are used in probiotics. So I guess just take one step back just to be clear, like it was one of the things I learned that I was surprised about was it, what is a probiotic? I, I was surprised to learn that people, even people who take probiotics don't always necessarily know exactly what they are. So a probiotic is a live bacteria that you can eat uh, essentially. And like, and most probiotics are marketed as somehow good for your gut or your microbiome. But most of the probiotics are actually just kind of like leftovers of like the fermentation industry, like, like, uh, from milk fermentation and stuff like that. So a lot of lactobacillus and bifidobacteria, which aren't actually part of a healthy adult microbiome. So if we look at your microbiome, if it's healthy, you're going to have very little lactobacillus in there. Um, and yet that's like one of the most common probiotics. And so the data is extremely mixed and like on whether or not that's helpful for people. And that's because every microbiome is different. So like for some people it might help and for others, it might do nothing, but generally speaking, I tell people that like, if you're taking a probiotic and you think that it's helping you and you feel better, then go ahead. It's not going to hurt and it it might help. There's some data to say that it might help Um, in some people sometimes. Um, If it's not really helping or you're not really noticing any difference uh, and whatever that metric is for you, then my personal opinion is don't waste your money Um, uh, because there's not really a good like hypothesis that it should. Um, So, you know, I think that, you know, you chose spore probiotics you know, that's near and dear to my heart. Zbiotics uses a spore former as well. And I think that that's great because that bacteria is going to pass through your stomach acid unharmed. It's much more likely to have an effect if it's going to. It's, um, uh, and, and, you know, many of the bacteria that naturally live in your gut um, are spore formers. So I think that uh, that makes sense. But generally speaking, you know, I think that probiotic, I think the, the stronger hypothesis for helping your gut microbiome is around prebiotics. 
And so prebiotics are fiber. Uh, so prebiotics are, are the things you pre before the bacteria. It's the thing, it's the food that feeds the bacteria. Um, and so you can take prebiotic supplements, but again, that's, you're usually going to get kind of one type of fiber in that scenario. So that maybe isn't like necessarily, it could maybe help supplement, but the best way to get prebiotic fiber is from, from food. Um, so I think that like, that's kind of, that's my hot take on, on probiotics and prebiotics. No, I love it because I think you see probiotics everywhere these days. And just yeah. from using a spore base and knowing a little bit about them, I look at the people who are consuming the ones that aren't or they're like they have to be refrigerated yeah. and it's like is that actually surpassing your stomach acid or is it just yeah. dying right there and you're like trying to say that this is the best thing you've ever taken and it's actually not doing anything totally. so yeah i, 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 I totally see the, a lot of the a lot of the evidence we have scientifically is that they yeah. don't do anything um right. or that right. like it's a at best it's highly variable right like mm -hmm. um that it can help like i say it can help some people sometimes um, and I think that's like the most generous thing I could say about it. And so, you know, like I say, it's certainly not hurt. I mean, in most cases, it's not hurting anybody. Um, sure. Or if it is, I mean, some people have, you know, that's the thing. Don't power through, right? If you're getting like a stomach ache or something, it's like, this isn't like, that's, this isn't a miracle. Probiotics are not a miracle cure. Um, don't bother with it. Um, I, and I think like the other key thing um, to say about probiotics is that like people often, and this is something that really frustrates me because people often have their doctors tell them to do this and the, and the data shows the opposite. So if you're taking, people often think, oh, I'm taking antibiotics and antibiotics are right molecules that kill bacteria, which you take because you're sick with the bacteria. But then of course it kills all like, or, or many of the good bacteria that are living in your gut as well. And so, so people think, oh, I'll take probiotics to like replenish those good bacteria. But remember what I said earlier, the bacteria that are in probiotics are not the bacteria that actually live in your gut, right? Like at best, they can have a positive influence on the bacteria that live in your gut. So if you're basically clearing out a bunch of space in your gut with an antibiotic, and then you put a probiotic in there that's like a bacteria that's not really supposed to be part of your microbiome, then it's just going to get in the way more than anything. And indeed, that's what we see in the literature, right? There was like some good scientific studies to show that um, when, uh, you know, it matters how you collect the data in the in a very good paper that was published a few years ago, they showed that probiotics do not help your microbiome recover after antibiotics. And if anything, they actually slow down the recovery uh, of the microbiome. So like, and, and a lot of people say like, oh, my doctor told me to take a probiotic after my antibiotics. Um, yeah. That's, the FDA has never approved that as a, as, as a treatment for antibiotics. Um, and, and like, and so like, that's your doctor sort of speculating. There isn't actual scientific evidence to to say that that's a good thing to do. And so I hope that this sort of like, sort of like misguided practice kind of like starts to fade away because we don't have good evidence. Okay. So, let's, right. yeah, we need to dive a little bit deeper into that because yeah. I think a lot of people in, especially the functional medicine community combine those, right? Probiotics. Right. Okay. So what I say personally, which I'd love you for to correct me, but I do say probiotics, but I say fiber and liver support. What else would you say or what would you not? Because I'd love, I want to like blast this yeah. to yeah, way yeah, more yeah. people. Is that, are you totally. asking post-antibiotics? Post-antibiotics. Uh, yeah. Little backstory real quick. Jill and I had chronic ear infections. So as a kid, we oh, were yeah. doused so many antibiotics. I'm like 99, I'm not going to say 100%, 99% sure that like that kind of propelled our gut issues. We all of a sudden became intolerant to dairy, gluten, and it carried on into the, our lives. So absolutely, totally. Like, give us the tea. I, I think, yeah, I think that that's, um, first and foremost, your hypothesis is reasonable. You obviously okay. can't say for certain, but like taking a lot of antibiotics, especially at formative age of the microbiome right. can definitely have 
issues. Um, mm -hmm. And you're dead on. I would totally agree with fiber mm -hmm. um, and, and and liver support. Yeah, I mean, like your you know your liver and your kidneys are you know dealing with the drug, um, right. which is you know the drug is beneficial, but it, it does put a strain on that. So so anything you can yeah. do to kind of help, yeah. Hydration is always uh, it's one of the best things you can do to support your liver and your kidneys. Um, and then, yeah, and fiber, I think that's great. Okay. Uh, I would personally not dabble with probiotics. Um, I would stick to fiber and, and, and ideally it's fiber from food, but like if you need help, um, getting supplemental fiber is okay. Just don't make that the, the, like a large percentage, right? Like just have that be kind of like a part of the, if you're trying to get like say 30 grams of fiber a day, let that be five to 10 grams of fiber, maybe from supplements, but then the other 25 to 20 to 25 grams comes from, um, you know, food. Okay. Let's start talking about more of the negative things like antibiotics, alcohol that can impact your gut microbiome. Mm -hmm. And on that topic, say that someone's sitting here like, oh my God, I think, okay, you can see it like in a stool, a stool test, right? Like you look at someone's just, it's not everything, right? But it paints a little bit of a picture. Yeah. All of a sudden you look and they have none of the good gut bacteria and they're overflowed with bad bacteria, which would be considered, if one would say, dysbiosis. Too much yeah. bad, not enough good. First of all, can you go into what is causing these things? I kind of gave a spoiler alert. And then how should we focus more on replenishing it and addressing that part other than what we just mentioned of fiber and hydration and liver so yeah. liver and kidney support? Yeah. I, yeah. I think, I mean, look, generally speaking, a good diet, right? Like, again, these are things that microbiologists are still kind of untangling. It's a very right. complicated, sure. like community and, and trying to figure that, trying to figure out what's affecting that community. But, mm -hmm. but generally speaking, yeah, if you're in a state of dysbiosis, that's usually the case that I think there's a few different ways we define that. But generally speaking, if you don't have adequate diversity, or like you say, if you have like a really like, um, too much of like a, a certain like bad microbe or microbe that's not usually part of a healthy adult microbiome, um, you call that dysbiosis. And so correcting that is all about making sure we're feeding the good bacteria again. Mm -hmm. The simplest level, you know, that's yeah, good, good diet, good practice, good fiber. You know, actually, they show that like exercise has a really positive uh, impact on the microbiome. Um, so like regular exercise is actually important because stress actually has a pretty negative impact on the microbiome. And that's pretty well demonstrated as well. So um, anything you do to kind of like take care of your, it, go, it goes both ways. That highway I was talking about earlier, the gut to the brain goes in the other direction as well. It's so, like stress hormones that are released in the body, like signal to your microbiome that you're under some duress or stress. And so like that impacts them as well. Um, they may decide that like, this isn't a great host and then some of them leave and then you kind of get this like dysbiotic situation. So, um, so all of those are, are good practices to, so managing your stress, like exercising, good diet, hydration are all like really important ways to try and reset a dysbiotic microbiome. It's interesting because it seems though, I mean, being in the space that we're in trying to raise awareness of creating a healthy lifestyle in order to support not only your gut health, but your health as a whole, which impacts obviously your mental health and so many more aspects of your life. Because we're in this space, we see friend after family member, after friend of a friend, after our whole entire community, people that we've never met are struggling with so many gut issues, right? Yeah. And it's like, it's wild because it's like some people are coming down with SIBO. Some people have H. pylori, all of this. How do we, as a, I guess, as a whole, as a community, recognize one, like, okay, what's even happening? I think that biggest thing with Jill is we had so many symptoms, so many, we were constipated. We were the opposite of constipation, yeah. um, com us both combined. We talk about all our symptoms often. Mental health issues, acne, acne, 
if we don't know everything about it, but we're also yeah. sitting here and saying like, there's this supplement on the market. There's this thing that you can do. Right. Do we start at the microbiome? Like what is, should be the core of where someone were to begin? I mean, it's a great question. And like, you know, the honest answer is like, I think we still got all way, like we're still trying to untangle why we're yeah. dealing with all these problems that even 20 years ago, you know, we're, we're much less common. And so like, I think that like we're seeing sort of, environmental shifts for humanity that I think are having impacts like in ways that we're still trying to untangle. I think that the microbiome is important. It's not the answer to everything. And also as uh, right now, like human knowledge is not, we don't know how to really like, you know, reliably impact the microbiome. We, there's no good definition of like, you can't like point to something and say like, this is the healthy microbiome. Like there are infinite combinations of bacteria that could be healthy. And then that means there's a lot of ways that they could be unhealthy as well. And so it's hard to kind of say that like, you know, what we're driving towards really at the end of the day, like diversity is kind of the best thing we have right now. And then, you know, there are like lots of studies that say like this bacteria, that bacteria is generally associated with like positive health or performance. But then of course, like marketing and industry jumps on that and it's like, oh, and like, you know, tries to like slam that up. But that's not necessarily going to be useful or beneficial for everybody or even a majority of people. It's sort of something like they identified, you know, say in like an elite athlete. And they're like, well, then if everybody had this bacteria, they'd all be elite athletes. And like, that's not typically kind of how it works. So it gets, right. I guess it's an unsatisfying answer to your question. It gets yeah. complicated, you know, yeah. and the best you can do is like healthy diet and exercise. And it, even that's not going to work for everybody because you're, you might be dealing with some weird environmental exposure or something, you know, that's like that you don't even know about. This next episode sponsor is Element Electrolytes. Let me tell you a little bit about hydration. To properly hydrate, you want to include water with electrolytes. So when you sweat, you are losing water and sodium. Both of these need to be replaced to prevent headaches, muscle cramps, energy dips, confusion, and more. Element spelled LMNT is a tasty electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. That means a science-backed electrolyte ratio with none of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no BS, and you know the Gut Talk girls love it. Jill and I have some new favorite flavors these days. You know ours, ours used to be watermelon and raspberry, but now Jill's favorite is orange, and mine is becoming citrus really quick. Can I also add that they make you want to drink your water? So if you're someone like me, who constantly says you need to drink more water and you don't just want to go and drink plain water, which you shouldn't be, this might be right up your alley. Of course, we have a deal for the Gut Talk community. You can go to drinklmnt.com slash guttalkgirls to get a free element sample pack when you make any purchase through our link. The element sample pack includes one packet of every flavor. This is perfect for anyone who is interested in trying all of the flavors or if you want to introduce a friend to Element. So try it out and let us know what you think. We put the link in the show notes. It's interesting because we continue to hear expert after expert after expert. And <clears throat> by the way, they're all experts in different things. Yeah, kind of go back right. to the same thing, right? And when I talk to my friends, not medical advice, just thoughts of like, okay, but like, are you covering all of the low hanging fruit? And yeah. usually the answer is no, right? Like you're okay. normally not cooking all your meals. So you're like avoiding all of the like questionable oils and things like that. And then you're usually right. We can like go down this list, but our, the marketing teams of America have become so strong mm -hmm. that they've yeah. convinced us all 
that you need pills and drinks and like I'm sipping on my athletic greens right now. Like there are things that we do in addition to help. Like we drink element every day to help with the hydration and stuff like that. But it's like, we've been told that doing the easy things are no longer easy. The easy thing to do is to like buy the things to help yeah, us. Right. And it's right, like, let's take a probiotic and all of a sudden we're going to have good gut health. Like yes, I've got exactly. my woohoo, right? I, I heard someone the other day, I wish I could remember where I heard it because like I can't get it out of my head. And it's like, it's not that our metabolism slows down as we get older. We slow down as we get older because everyone's like, oh, like I need help to support my metabolism. We've been talking about metabolism a lot recently. And people are like, no, it's like you don't move as much because you get a little lazy and you start drinking more because you have your like beer after dinner or wine after dinner. And like, right. And it starts to go down this rabbit hole of like, it's not necessarily getting older or any of these other things, except for like, we're not taking care of our bodies the way that maybe we're supposed to. But now all these companies have just told us if, as long as you take the 95 supplements we're offering, then it doesn't really matter. Would you say that there's any like health foods that maybe aren't as great for our microbiome as maybe we've once been told based off of research you've seen? Um, I have an answer to that that is maybe a little controversial, but uh, before I want to, I want to underline what you were saying, which is that like, I, I love the way you put that, that like, it's like the low hanging fruit and the easy things that, you know, we don't consider easy anymore. Like we want the shortcuts, we want the supplement, um, the thing that the quick fix or whatever. And yeah. And the truth is like, right. Like the age old, very unsexy, unsellable advice, uh, which is like diet and exercise uh, is like, and like, and water, right? Like things you can't really sell. Um, water is so, like the like, least sexy right. thing there is. Drink yeah, water, right, yeah. like, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and tap water works just fine. Um, right. So yeah, so I think that, I think that, you know, we get, we get obsessed with optimizing for that one or two extra percent, right? Like with all these supplements and stuff, but like they, this like obsession with that sliver of, of, of edge, and, and at the cost of the other like 95% of stuff that you can just do for free, right? That are like, it's just like good habits, right? And so we get obsessed with that, like that, that thin sliver that like supplements that little edge that they might give you um, at, you know, and, and then meanwhile, not even bothering to do all the things that we know are really good for us. Um, so I think that, and then to your point, I mean, it's, I, I'm sort of, you know, pulling out my soapbox a, a little bit here. It's not exactly, I think, kind of an answer to your question, but like the idea, like what are things that like, you know, maybe are touted as like healthy, but maybe aren't um, that great for us for a microbiome. I'll say this to kind of stir the pot a little bit. I mean, I think that organic um, has been touted as better for us. And that is not necessarily true. Um, oh, and so, no. <laughs> I know. I know. No, you're saying I know. this. I, I do. Cut it. I, cut it no. out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not yeah, the well, first person I'm hearing this Okay, from. but why? Yeah. Because that makes me panic because I feel like I have control over things when I buy organic. Right, right. Which is what the organic marketing strategy is, right? Oh, it's like no. to tell you, you are doing something good for yourself and for the environment by, by buying organic. That right? is exactly and, how I feel when I pay my extra right. dollar for everything. Exactly. And that's what you're doing, right? You're, you're sort of like giving yourself that self-flagellation of the extra dollar to like contribute. But in reality, like, so first and foremost, let's talk about the environment and then we'll talk about human health. They use this word like sustainable a lot, but I think if you really think about what that word means, it's something that can sustain us, right? And so if something is more expensive and less efficient, it is by definition not sustainable, right? Like if we have to use more farmland to get the same amount of food, then like what happens when the population continues to grow? That means we have to mow down more 
biodiversity, more forests to plant more agriculture. Agriculture is the most unnatural uh, thing that humanity has imp imposed upon this planet, right? Farmlands are like, we think of that as natural, right? That is so unnatural, right? Like what's natural is like a crazy diverse forest, right? And so in order for us to get, so the most efficient and sustainable thing we can do is get more yield per every acre. Um, and so conventional farming um, is more efficient, right? It's, I'm not saying that it doesn't have its problems. It has huge problems and like those problems need to be fixed. But going back in time to, so organic farming was the cutting edge agricultural technology about 300, 400 years ago, right? Like, so going back in time to like cutting edge technology from the 1700s is not the way that we are able to sustainably live on this planet. There's no doubt that the use of pesticides and like, you know, nitrogen fertilizers, those things are not sustainable either. But like, it's definitely, the solution is definitely not like becoming less efficient. Like that's a, that's a bad solution. So that's for the environment. And then for human health, there is interesting data in both directions, right? Like, so there is, there are things that organic foods make um, in terms of like lycopenes and stuff like in tomato and things like that, that, that we know are good for human health. And it has been demonstrated that organic foods can make more of those depending on the food and, and things like that relative to conventional foods. So, so there are these micronutrients maybe. But then it, what's also interesting is that we often think as plants and nature as like as good and safe and healthy, right? But like literally every poison and every toxin on the planet is made by plants, right? Like all things that are, you know about all these poisonous plants and stuff, right? And, and plants do that to protect themselves from pests and from things they don't want eating them. Um, and so when we don't put pesticides on plants, the plants get attacked by pests and they make their own pesticides. Um, and you can't wash those off, they're internal to the plant. Um, and so this is not like hypothesis, like there's good scientific data to show that like there are toxic chemicals that get upregulated in organically grown plants relative to their conventionally grown counterparts. And so this um, scientist, Bruce Ames, showed via his Ames test, basically he did a test to show like how mutagenic, uh, you know, so how much something could sort of like add a uh, change DNA. And they showed that basically a conventionally grown piece of fruit can be sometimes hundreds of times more mutagenic than a, than a conventionally grown uh, piece of fruit or, or vegetable. So like you looked at like bananas and coffee and carrots and all these things and showed that basically like the internal pesticides that the plant were making were toxic and mutagenic. Now, the takeaway was that all of these things are massively outweighed by the fact that plants are very, you know, like vegetables are healthy for us. And so that like the differences in like the lycopene or like, or in these kind of plant pesticides, like are all washed out. We're talking again, like existing on like the 2% differences here and there that at the end of the day, just eating five servings of fruits and vegetables a day is really what you should be doing for your health, whether they're conventionally grown or organic. Um, and so ultimately the best thing you can do is eat, eat the fruits and vegetables. And if they're more accessible and they're cheaper then great. And if like you can afford the organic and you like the way they taste, then like that's a personal choice, but it's not something you're not doing something good for yourself or the planet necessarily, depending on how you look at it. Right. And I know there's a long debate that could happen about that, but I'll just throw that idea into the mix. You know, I have, I have one question. Do you yeah. eat or buy organic? I do not. On principle, I, I try to actively avoid organic because I think that like, again, this is marketing telling us that we should, we should feel bad uh, and, and we should pay more for this crappy, lumpy piece of fruit um, because it was grown organically. Um, you know, and, and because it was grown organically, it's, you know, by definition, that means it only can grow in certain places. And so like, honestly, you might be shipping it farther. Um, and so then now we're talking about greenhouse gas emissions that are more because like we didn't grow the local stuff because we had to use like 
it only grows naturally in soil in Michigan. And so now we have to ship it all the way over to California, you know, whatever. So um, a bomb principle, I only purchase conventional um, wherever I can uh, for that. Conventional and, um, and local, perhaps? Local is great. I think okay. local is awesome, right? Okay. Because like then you're talking about, again, greenhouse gas emissions, right? You're not shipping things, you know, the shorter we can ship things, the better. Um, there's efficiency gains, the more we kind of like consolidate. But, um, you know, so it's a give and take. But ultimately, we shouldn't be so fixated on organic as like the way forward or like healthy. Um, it's a step backwards, if anything. And, and that's, not a saying that, that's not saying that we don't have a lot of work to do in terms of sustainability with conventionally grown foods. We have to we have to innovate and we have to like move past these really detrimental practices we're doing. But like, uh, to me, organic is not the answer to that. Okay, interesting. Interesting. So, I know you 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 mentioned it in there, but when it comes to things like pesticides, okay, let's uh, we don't need to go into whole the glyphosate debate and everything like yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. But yeah. that's kind of where like this whole overarching thing is: glyphosate sprayed on our wheat crops, pesticides on our fruit, and making kind of everyone think that we're consuming what is sprayed on these crops, which is impacting either our microbiome or our, say mm-hmm. like our gut lining. Right. It, okay. Is gl- glyphosate something just quickly what we need to worry about or no, or. I mean, so I, look, I'm not going to argue that like, there's a lot of argument in the industry that like it has no health de- de- detriment. And I don't sure. think that that's, I don't think that's true. Uh, And I think we have data that's convincing that it could, I think at high doses when people are spraying it on fields and stuff, I think the amount you're being exposed to in your food. So remember that like the FDA has requirements on how much can remain on the food before you eat it. Um, and so for your human health, you are not being exposed to enough glyphosate for, for it to cause a problem, I think, or at least I should say that there is no data that like no, no good clean data to reliably suggest that that's true. Now, whether or not like glyphosate is like a disaster for the ecosystem and for the environment and for maybe the, the farmers who are like applying it regularly and like inhaling it and stuff like, like that's a different question. But for you, the consumer of the, of the, of the food, I don't think that that's, that should be a, a front and center concern so much as like making sure you get a vegetable in your body, you know, like, uh, right. so I think that's, that's kind of more the concern. Yeah. Sure. That's completely understandable. Just I can totally edit this part out, but I think a lot of the argument too, and I just genuinely speaking in terms of opinion, we love to hear yeah. everyone's opinion. Yeah, yeah. The question would be, and I think this is what a lot of people are questioning is, well, who's funding these studies? That's, what are these people saying? Are they just doing yeah. it in favor because they want to make right. more money? These are they're oh, valid questions, right? That, that question, that is a valid question okay. and it can cut both ways. Like, and yeah. I, I for me personally, I, like as a scientist, it frustrates me to say, well, who funded the study? It's like, why would somebody who doesn't have a financial interest in it, like fund it, right? Like why would somebody who's like studying like HIV fund a glyphosate study? Like that makes right. no sense, right? Yeah, the only right. person who's trying to discover whether, and so like you have to, yes, there's an inherent element of trust that like, okay, fine. Like Bayer funded the studies on glyphosate, but they were reviewed by the FDA. And so like, and, and like, yeah, there's, you know, lack of trust in the government. I understand that at the end of the day, you have to decide somebody to trust. And like, I'll tell you who you shouldn't trust is like the person who's making money by telling you that it's bad. Right. Like, like that cuts in both directions, right? The organic food industry is making a killing on like on selling their product for more money, uh, less efficiently. Right. And like, and telling us all that, like all this stuff is really bad for us. That's an industry too, right? They're not like untouchable, right? Like, like that, that's people making money by convincing us of, of a narrative. And now, and I don't want to come across as one-sided here. Like, I, no. you know, it is definitely biased in both directions. Like, sure. both parties are full of crap. There's no doubt about it. Like, and the way forward is like a rational and balanced right. belief that like we have to we have to move like beyond. Like, nobody's right here, right? Like, everybody has. There are 
there are good parts of both. And everybody has, hopefully, at the end of the day, humanity's best interest at heart here, um, at, at like at some in some way. And so like, we have to determine what we can do to really make an impact. And like, and so I guess that's where I come from. Yeah. No, I, I love that. I saw um, a TikTok a very long time ago that always kind of stuck in the back of my mind, and it was like, trust the companies that don't pay the money to get the organic label on their like box or whatever, but that do the like high quality practices anyway, because that's what they believe. And I always thought that was interesting because I know, you know, you have to do so many things to get the actual organic label and like it's, it can be really expensive and especially like smaller brands a lot of times don't opt for that because they just can't afford it. And so I, I've always thought to myself, like looking for the brands that just try to do things what they believe is like the right way. It's a, it's an excellent point. And although it instills a slight bit of panic in me, honestly, it's it's yeah. it's a really great point because we have really bought into, okay, it's organic, it's healthy, I'll pay the extra money, but maybe instead looking for things that are local and like there are some things that we still definitely believe when it's like comes to like the quality of the produce and like especially like meat and things like that, all that good stuff. But like when talking about plants specifically, no one's come come up to us and said, have you ever thought about like who makes the money off of the extra money you're spending for organic? No. And like you said, the best way to be is to not be biased in any direction. So if you're like fully blindly supporting organic, then maybe that's not the best thing for our future either. I call that like an academic or an emotional version of the supplements we we're talking about earlier, right? Like, yeah. like if I just buy organic, then all my like I'm doing my part. I'm, all my problems are solved. And right. reality, what that's doing is just like you're just supporting a different industry's narrative. Like you're not like actually engaging. And I understand there's only so much bandwidth we have to engage with all these issues, but like right. uh, people yeah. kind of get holier than thou that they're like, that you're wrong and they're right on that stuff. And, th- and I think that for me, it's like, Hey, it's like everything. It's a nuanced kind of conversation. Sure. You know what? I absolutely love this conversation so much because I think in the industry that Jill and I are in, we do come across the holier than thou. And like, I'm just going to flat out say it, but what I think Jill and I pride ourselves, and we're not perfect over here, but in the fact of the low-hanging fruit, that's always what we go for, the simple steps, right? Like, we're not sitting here saying, like, do this or else, or don't do this, and this is going to happen to you. Jill and I always go back to the basics, like, how can we live a healthier life in terms of, let's make sure we get enough protein, get your morning sunlight, get your movement in, like, if we can totally. stick to the basics and not get into the weeds of, like, Jill and I have never said organic or bust, like, yeah, right? right? But we yeah. know people who say organic or right. bust. So exactly. we're just going to go back to what we talked about of the low-hanging fruit and let's right. get the basics. And balance, yeah. And balance. The one thing that people do say that I don't really understand is why can I not eat pasta in the United States, but then I go to Italy and I'm great? What, what's, is there some scientific thought behind that? It's gotta be somewhat placebo. There's no way. There's no way. Right. I think that there is. Yeah. So unfortunately, look, I'm not going to say that everybody is making it up in their brain. Like, like, uh, you know, but like, particularly when, if you're not a celiac, right. Like, like, I think that like general, like gluten sensitivity is like something where it there is at least some element of subjectivity to that. Like, I'm not saying that everybody who's experiencing that is not experiencing real things. I'm not trying to say that at all. But like, there is at least some element of, right? Like, if you don't have an autoimmune disease triggered by gluten, then like, you know, it's your experience of that is like somewhat based in part upon your like consciousness of that food. Um, And so like people say placebo and they throw it around like it's 
like ridiculous or crazy. But people have been given placebo and like literally had their cancer cured. Like it's, it's a real effect. Like you are really experiencing something. It's just that it's not based on the biochemistry of whatever molecule is going in your body. So um, I think that people have convinced themselves that like highly refined carbs are bad for them and then they eat them and they don't feel good. And, and I'm not saying that like that's all made up in their head. Like they're biochemically experiencing things in their gut. And so when you go to Italy and you have like a really good pasta and it's well cooked and maybe the sauce is not so sugary as it is here or something that maybe you don't feel so bad. And then you say, like, oh, it, it must be that the wheat here is better. I, as far as I know, there's not like significant differences in like that. So the peptide in gluten is gliadin is a 32 amino acid peptide. I don't, that I know of, I don't think that they're different. So, you know, that being said, I, this is not my area of expertise per se. So, okay. right. No, that's fair. No, I'll take your word for it. And like, I, I love Europe. I love traveling. And I will tell you right now, I think for myself, the number one thing that makes me digest it better is the fact that I'm completely in this stress-free state of like yes. bliss. Yes. And I'm like, oh, this right. is all so good. And it's going into my body and it's making me feel good. And like, it's not necessarily the quality of the food. It's the fact that like we go over to Europe and our brains are telling us that we're eating such great nutritious food. And and I do want yeah. to say too, like for our communities that's listening, if what you're doing is working for you right now, yes. right. don't change it, right? right. Totally. But if you're someone who buys mostly organic and you go to buy zucchini and they don't have any organic Maybe this gives you a little bit more peace of mind that like eating the zucchini in general is probably going to be better than like yes. not at all. And also like these are the best conversations to have because if we all become so one-sided, like that is not the way the world evolves in like a good way. So yes. these types of conversations are so important. Yeah. Also, Zach, we have a very nice community. We receive almost zero hate. Right. Like, so don't worry. Your controversial opinions will be okay. will be absorbed by like really open-minded like, Controversial people. opinions backed by science, right. backed yeah. by studies. Sure. Like I think a lot of we people- We didn't pick this guy up off the right. street. <laughs> I think a lot of people back their opinions by things that they've been told by somebody else, right? Totally. Like, oh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The big fitness influencer of a million followers right. told me that this is bad for me, so I don't eat it. So anyway, speaking of things that are bad for you, let's talk about the subject of alcohol, Zbiotics, yeah. why you created totally. this company that Jill and I love so much. Totally. Well, yeah. And let me just say, Jill, by the way, that I love the way you put that, that like, if you're in the store, right, if you, if you, you know, definitely not trying to like throw shade on anything or, you know, or whatever, like if, if you have practices that make you feel good, that's great. But yeah, like if you limit your diet in some way, if you go to the store and you have this great idea to make like an incredible salad or something, and then they don't have the organic. And so then you throw it out the window, like you're doing, you're not doing yourself a health service. So like, yeah, allow yourself to, to recognize that like, you're still going to get like the most benefit out of eating a vegetable, whether or not it's conventional organic. I, I love that analogy yeah. you use there. That's awesome. Well, um, so yeah, I'm just right. thinking through my own mindset here. I was actually right. thinking to myself. <laughs> totally. Well, yeah, I appreciate that. You know, like ultimately, like the goal here is about like advancing the conversation forward, right? Not saying that right. one side is right or wrong. I think that's the troubles we get in in like all the kind of different debates we have is that like it's all or nothing. And um, and you're absolutely right that like one of the things I discovered the most, I think I've developed a ton more empathy for people who disagree with me in this space. Um, then I have, when I started as a scientist, I was all like, oh, you know, like, you know, this is how it is and blah, blah, blah. And then, and then I started talking to people and realizing that like, there are people who do a ton of work to educate themselves. They go online, they read as much as they can. They're trying to find that information. It's just very hard to find 
quality information. Like you, you go to sources you consider to be like well-informed and then they may be saying something that is, that they believe is true or is right, but like, but, but it isn't right. And, and that's not, nobody's doing that maliciously, but then that misinformation gets perpetuated. And then, you know, you, you end up dealing with, you know, getting a ton, you bombard with those information. How do you sort out the good stuff and the bad stuff? And so I deeply empathize with people who are very much trying to educate themselves and like are, are, getting a lot of information, inundated with a lot of information and trying to sort out the good from the bad. And it's like near impossible to do. We can't be, we can't have PhDs in everything, right? Like my expertise is in right. microbiology. Like I'm definitely no expert on like chemistry or physics or right, any of the other things. So like, I mean, how could you possibly kind of, you know, when it comes to food, it's like, it's so complicated, right? And so I, I deeply empathize. And, and I think the best we can do is keep an open mind and be open to kind of new information. I think that we get in trouble when we kind of dig our heels in and say like, well, this is the answer. This is right, you know? So, so yeah, good. I, I love that. that. No, absolutely. I love that. So, uh, alcohol. Yeah, 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 why, why alcohol. we're actually here. No. Right. <laughs> so much to talk about. Okay, so you started Zbiotics. Yes. So, and, and to be clear, I mean, I'm happy we spent so much time on this other stuff. It's way more interesting. Yeah. More I love no, our no. product. I love what we're doing. And it all uh -huh. ties into this. This is the foundation of why I started this company. So yeah, cool. I started Zbiotics. So I, I, after my PhD, I was working designing clinical trials for drug companies. And I had this idea that we could take probiotic bacteria and then genetically engineer them to perform some useful function for you. So that then you could sort of like eat this, like this probiotic and then have it like do something very specific. So I know that we spent like a whole section talking about how like I thought that probiotics are not really like, you know, like uh, a very strong hypothesis for helping the microbiome. And, and I stand by that. And it might sound weird as somebody who basically sells probiotics, but, um, but what we've done is really just use the probiotic as a chassis or like, you know, a delivery mechanism for some useful function. With our first product, um, it's a probiotic that's engineered to break down acetaldehyde. And acetaldehyde is the, the toxic metabolic byproduct of drinking alcohol. So when you drink alcohol, this acetaldehyde forms in your gut as, you, as your body breaks down the alcohol. And we can talk more about like the specifics of that um, in a sec, but, but generally speaking, so then we basically engineered a bacteria to help your body deal with that, that toxic acetaldehyde um, from, from drinking um, in the gut. Um, so, so the bacteria is just sort of a delivery system for kind of being able to deal with, with that acetaldehyde. So that's really, and more broadly, you know, we can engineer bacteria to do all kinds of amazing things that can help, your, help you in very specific ways using genetic engineering. So you take, I've been calling it a tincture, but it's like this yeah. tiny little bottle. It actually looks like, it's like one fourth of the size of like an airplane bottle, which, you know, kind of like makes sense for what it does. Right. right? And you take it before you start drinking alcohol. Right. And what are you supposed, like, what can people expect who take Z-Biotics before they drink? Yeah. So that's, that's exactly right. So it's small little liquid shot and you drink it before you start drinking alcohol. And then basically what happens is the bacteria, you know, they pass through your stomach acid. So as I talked about earlier, we use a spore forming bacteria. Uh, so the bacteria is in, in a dormant, uh, very resilient spore form. And so it passes through your stomach acid unharmed. Um, and then when it gets into your intestines, it senses that like this is a conducive environment and it wakes up. And so the bacteria do this all on their own. We didn't have to do anything to them um, for them to be able to do that. That's kind of their natural life cycle. And so then once it wakes up and it starts floating down the river of your gut, it can start making the enzyme that we engineered it to make. And that enzyme will break down any acid out of the high that it encounters. So then if you start drinking alcohol after you drink our product, 
um, that alcohol goes in your mouth and your stomach and it goes in your gut. And then most of the alcohol is absorbed into your bloodstream. And then that alcohol circulates throughout your body and it has the effects that alcohol has. And then it makes its way to your liver and your liver breaks down alcohol really efficiently. Um, and so your liver will first turn the alcohol, the ethanol, into acetaldehyde using one enzyme. And then it'll convert the, that, that acetaldehyde into acetate using a second enzyme. So it uses two enzymes in two steps to convert, uh, to basically detoxify the alcohol. So once, once you get to acetate, uh, excuse me, once you get to acetate, that's essentially vinegar. It's, it's innocuous. If anything, it, it's, um, it's beneficial to short chain fatty acid. And so, um, so basically the liver has done its job at that point with those two enzymes. So that's what happens to most of the alcohol you drink. So there's a small amount of alcohol that you drink. So when, when it goes in your stomach, before it gets absorbed into your bloodstream out of your intestines, it actually gets broken down directly in the gut in large part by your microbiome. So some of the microbes in your gut will just break down the, the ethanol or the alcohol um, before it's absorbed into the bloodstream. Um, and so that small amount of ethanol is converted into acetaldehyde, basically using the same enzyme your liver uses to convert the alcohol into acetaldehyde. But then that second step, the acetaldehyde to acetate, your gut does not do very well. So what happens is that even though it's a small amount of alcohol being broken down in the gut, it's almost all being converted to acetaldehyde and not subsequently to acetate. So you, you end up getting acetaldehyde building up in the gut. And so there's good science to show that essentially the highest concentration of acetaldehyde in the body is in the gut. So we see five to 10 times higher concentrations of acetaldehyde in the gut than we do in the bloodstream after we drink. But acetaldehyde, like alcohol, is very soluble. So it will, it will then diffuse out of the gut, it gets absorbed into the bloodstream, it circulates throughout your body, it basically wreaks havoc, and then it makes its way to the liver, and the liver very efficiently breaks it down into acetate using that same enzyme. So um, let's talk a little bit about acetaldehyde. So I talked about how you know, this can build up in the gut, Acetaldehyde is a highly toxic molecule. It's, it's like really like a nasty, it's much worse for you than the alcohol itself. Um, but luckily you only get exposed to a very small amount of it, but kind of like the dose makes the poison here, like a small amount can cause a lot of damage. And so your body deals with, so it kind of, as I say, as it circulates throughout your body, it kind of wreaks havoc, um, it, it, um, and, which is a major part of why you feel terrible, like why you might feel terrible the day after drinking is in large part due to the, the effects of the acetaldehyde, not as much the alcohol. The alcohol does have its own negative effects that um, are not good for you. Um, but this acetaldehyde has some of the things that, um, some of the effects that are not like, that are specifically related to how you feel the next day. So uh, I want to make sure, I want to make a, the, the distinction clear here that the ethanol itself is very much not healthy for you uh, on, in its own right. Um, but then like some of the kind of like the consequences of how you feel the next day are related in large part to the acetaldehyde, not, not necessarily so much the ethanol. And so, so Z-Biotics, we had the idea that since a lot of the acetaldehyde is, that you're being exposed to is actually being formed in the gut, that we could take the same enzyme your liver uses to break down the acetaldehyde um, and, and program our bacteria to express that same enzyme in your gut and then basically complete the reaction in your gut. So, so your microbiome converts the ethanol to acetaldehyde and then Z-Biotics helps your body uh, convert that acetaldehyde into acetate, uh, same as your liver does. Um, so that, that way we kind of help your body deal with that acetaldehyde. And so by taking Z-Biotics and converting the acetaldehyde to acetate, what benefit does that give us like from like a human that doesn't know science, right? Like yeah. what, what do you, what can you expect because your body is converting that quicker? Basically. So, so because you're, you're dealing with that acetaldehyde more effectively, you're going to feel better the next day. Um, so like, so when the next day, when you wake up, like you will 
likely, you know, be in a much better position to kind of do all the things that you would like to do the next day, right? Like go on that morning hike, make it to that morning brunch, make day two of your vacation, uh, you know, wake up and parent your kids, like wh whatever it is that you have to do in the morning, um, you're going to be able to face that a lot better. Like that kind of like icky, gross feeling you feel the next day, kind of that misery that you can sometimes feel even after, you know, maybe you haven't even indulged that much, but like sometimes we notice like even a couple of drinks sometimes you just, you don't feel your best, you know? Yeah. We're the, we're the best marketing of this product because yes, I feel shitty after two drinks and Jill and I have both taken Z-Biotics many, many times now. And we can attest, like it absolutely makes us feel better the next day. I was literally just thinking I'm going to Lollapalooza in Chicago yeah. in like a week and a half and I need to order some immediately. Oh, because... I'm, I'm literally bringing it to Europe. Like I'm... Oh, you're taking percent. our supplies? No, not the supplies. Some oh. of it. And you know what's funny that you said, just real quick, it really does look like a shot. I took it in public with me the other day. Like Jill and I went out because my friends were visiting here and we were at a wine bar and I literally like knocked it back and I like looked around. And I'm like, oh my God, are they going to think that I'm like taking a quick shot? But yeah, really it was just yeah. Z-Biotic. So, yeah, totally. um, you know, it yeah. says like, you know, you know pre-alcohol probiotic on the bottom. Right. I'm like, like, no, no, no. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> come yeah. see it. What are the best case scenarios for using Z-Biotics? Like, like if you're going to take a Z-Biotic, like, you know, you have whatever, like I'm going to Lollapalooza, right? Yeah, right. That alone stresses me out because could I avoid drinking 100% of the time? Yes. Realistically, no. So yeah. I'm going to obviously take my Z-Biotics, but is there anything else I can do for my body to support the Z-Biotics to support my mm -hmm. body? Totally. So I think like it, it's very important to point out here that this is not – this is science, not science fiction, right? This isn't a magical cure-all or get-out-of-jail-free card, right? Like mm -hmm. this is helping your body deal with gut-derived acetaldehyde specifically, right? So – I, I, I don't want to ever imply that like in any way does this make alcohol less damaging to you, right? Like the sure. alcohol itself, right? Like your liver is doing a, a ton of work to get rid of all that alcohol you're absorbed in your bloodstream. And CBS has no effect on that, right? And so, so you want to support your liver and your kidneys that are dealing with like, you know, this toxin of ethanol, right? So, so that means, um, you know, pacing yourself, giving your body time to deal with the alcohol, um, and then uh, making sure that you're drinking plenty of, of water. Um, so, a common misconception is that alcohol dehydrates you. Um, actually, it, it really doesn't that much. Um, you A very minor amount, maybe. Like you're basically, a lot of good scientific studies have shown that you're maybe at a deficit of one glass of water at most um, after a night of heavy drinking even. Um, and so there's no electrolyte imbalances or glucose, like all the things that people are trying to sell you basically around like hydration and stuff. Like if hydration was what, you know, you know was causing the problem, then we, dehydration, then we wouldn't have a problem, right, with the next day effects of alcohol, right? Like, because we have water and like right. that doesn't work. Right. Um, so, so really like, uh, so, but that's not to say that you shouldn't be drinking water while you drink alcohol. It's a great way to pace yourself. It's a great way to support your liver and your kidneys and make sure your blood volume is high um, with fluids so that you're, you're basically supporting your organs as they help you detoxify the alcohol. But um, generally speaking, that's not like you're not dealing with dehydration there. And so, so, so anyway, that, that's good. Never drinking on an empty stomach. So that's another way to like sort of rate limit how much alcohol is hitting your bloodstream at once. Um, so, you know, the alcohol absorbs more slowly. Um, actually they've shown that like food helps your body actually signals your body to upregulate the enzymes in your liver that help you deal with alcohol and acetaldehyde. So, so those are good things to do. Um, and then I think one of the biggest things that people 
don't do well, um, which is probably like it's underappreciated on how important it is, is sleep. Um, so um, not just the amount of sleep you get, but the quality. So alcohol itself, ethanol, um, causes, it disrupts your sleep cycle. And so if you go to bed drunk and you lay in bed for eight hours um, or, you know, asleep, you're not, that's not eight hours of quality sleep. Like you're getting the equivalent of like two to three hours of quality sleep, but really disrupts the quality of your sleep. So um, the best thing you can do is like front load your drinks and stop drinking earlier. And then ideally let your blood alcohol go down to zero or close to it by the time you go to bed um, and then get as mid, as close to eight hours as you can get. If you can get high quality sleep, you'd be amazed at how much of a difference you feel the next day and just that alone. We've both started doing that just like in life, especially me recently. I used to do the opposite. Like I would try to wait till later. Now I drink, like I front load my drinks and I have noticed such a huge difference. Huge difference, right? By the time mm-hmm. I, even if I get to bed late, like say I get to bed at 1am, I'm getting to bed almost sober. Mm-hmm. And I have found such a huge difference. In no, and the other thing is, is we had... Um, a nurse on a, a few weeks ago and he talked about supporting the liver and he talked about like really supporting your food or your body with like good fats before you drink. And mm-hmm. so I front loaded my drinks and protein. I, and protein yeah. yeah. I front loaded my drinks, took a Z-Biotics and I had salmon and avocado before I drank. I woke up feeling incredible. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my yeah. God, I feel like I've hacked the system. Right. I mean, yeah, at that point you basically take care of everything, right? And like, yeah. um, uh, like, I mean, I shouldn't say that because you can still, you're still definitely causing damage when you drink alcohol. Right, so it's right. Not, you know, right. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's funny. Like you think about like, I mean, it's the irrational person who's drinking to be like, it's one o'clock, it's last call. Like, give me another drink really quick. It's like, right. that, you're going to drink that drink and then you're just going to get more drunk in like the Uber home, right? Like, like right. a completely useless drink that you just like wasted your money on. When in reality, you could have just ridden the wave of the previous drinks and then like right. sobered up on your Uber ride home right. and then right. got and, a better night of sleep. Yeah. And you guys say too, like you also have to drink responsibly. Like you can't yes. expect to take 10 shots, take Z-Biotics and wake up feeling like 100%. Yeah. Right. Like it's, this is... It's moderation. It's amount. This too. is really for the people that want to have a few drinks, but don't are looking to do what they can to not feel as lethargic the next. Have day. a better next day. Right. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure get, you guys have that done. slogan. Right. Right. Have a better. Yeah. Right. And I think it's look. The fact is that dealing using device to help you deal with that is going to help you regardless. It's just like the magnitude of the other problems you're dealing with will start to get bigger and bigger the more and more you drink. And so that like, even though we're helping you deal with that one problem, then like the, the effects of the alcohol itself will start to kind of catch up with you if you drink too much, right? So yeah, drinking in moderation is important. That being said, like it, uh, the goal of the product is, is not about the drinking itself. It's about all the things that those healthy routines and habits you have the next day and not having to choose between one or the other, right? Like if you go out for a happy hour with your friends on Friday night, um, and then that means that you're not going to be able to get your morning run in the next day and you just accept that, right? Like that's, that sucks. And so like the idea is that like, okay, you may wake up the next day and not feel a hundred percent. Um, but if you feel good enough to get up and get that run in, then like you start your day off better. You're definitely going to feel better throughout the day. So, so the goal here is to make, help you feel better than you would have felt otherwise. And I think that like, right, we drink in moderation, you have good habits and you have Zbotics, you should wake up and feel like great. And yeah. like, you know, if now a special occasion calls for maybe more than you normally would drink, like you go to a wedding or a bachelorette party or a vacation or something like that, like you may not wake up and feel 100%, but you'll feel better than you would have felt without the product, which allows you to get the most out of that next, that the rest of that experience as well, right? If you're on vacation, sure. more out of day two. So that's, that's kind of the idea. And it's much more around making sure 
it's not a zero sum game. You don't have to like give up your morning because you had a good night. Right? Yes, I exactly. love that. I love that. Sweet. Yeah. Cool. This has been incredible. Yeah. I mean, we covered so much more than I ever thought yeah. we'd cover. So no, I mean, like, this awesome. is one of our most thought-provoking <laughs> episodes yet, and we're on, like, episode 55, yeah. so. Yeah. Cool. No, well, I love it. Yeah. I'm really glad we got to talk about Same all, that, all that other stuff. I'm glad. I'm always glad that like the Z-Biotics is just kind of a small part of the episode. Right. Like, I well, this, some... this episode is sponsored by Z-Biotics, too, so like, we'll make sure we'll talk about it in the beginning as well. <laughs>